I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. amazing human on this earth plane. I am so grateful that you are here. Just wanted to take a second and say if you click like or hit subscribe, it helps this podcast continue. I want you to live the fullest expression of your experience in life and you can find so much more by visiting BUFindHappy.com. There you'll find Empowered, my motivational journal for women, links to all of the various books and so much more. Thank you for being you. Good morning, Laura. Welcome to the BU Find Happy podcast. We're going to talk about how to stay married, um, or at least maybe how not to get divorced and other relationship things today. Could you share with the listeners a little bit about what you do and how you got started? Sure. Well, you know, so many relationships are falling apart and I show women how to fix their relationships without their man's conscious effort, even if it feels completely hopeless. And the way I got started was pretty accidental. It was like falling over backwards, actually, because I was just trying to fix my own broken marriage, which um, about seven, eight, nine years in, we were really struggling. And uh, I thought, well, I know what to do. We're going to go to marriage counseling, and then the counselor will fix him. And then I can finally be happy because I think that's how it works. Yeah. I'm a marriage counselor. um, Who's. (laughs) Um, And I love. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you cut out just a little bit. So I missed that last piece. But I love I love the laugh. I can I can tell I'm not the first person that's ever gone to a marriage counselor thinking that that is going to fix the spouse and then she'll finally be happy. Right. So, yes. So I'm a marriage therapist that's been married 10 years, but I absolutely love it when clients come into session and say, Oh, could you fix the other person? Yeah. (laughs) Right. It's always, it's always a great start. Right. I think that like never works like ever. Right. So, but that was my, that was my start. And, um, I thought, yeah, you know, if she would just show him how to be, like he, he needs to be more romantic and tidier and he needs to be a little more ambitious with making money. Anyway. So yeah, it wasn't working. And in fact, oh. the counselor, she at one point said to me, I don't know if you realize you're, you know, you're kind of controlling it. And it was like the record, you know, like, wait a minute, that is not why we're here. We're here to, to fix him. So I thought uh, that was annoying. And um, anyway, but unfortunately, you know, the marriage counseling, um, it didn't, you know, and probably because you know, I had the wrong attitude. But anyway, it, it didn't help. And I remember I was, we went for like a year. We spent $9,000. I was on her couch when I realized, like, this marriage is hopeless. Like, I'm not, I'm either going to spend the rest of my life in a loveless relationship or I have to get divorced because he is never going to change. And so I decided I would get divorced. And um, there was just one problem, and that is I was too embarrassed to get divorced. So as a last-ditch effort, I started asking women 
with happy marriages what their secrets were. And I thought, well, I got nothing to lose. I'm going to take what they say, which sounded crazy, by the way. And I'm going to experiment with it in my marriage. And if it works, I'll keep it. If it doesn't, I'll throw it out. And at that time, I remember we just had either wall-to-wall hostility at our house or else we were having these cold wars where there was no talking for days, just a lot of tension. Wow. And, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sounds really pleasant. Sounds yeah, like a yeah. great existence. It was. It was. So, so you know, and necessity's the mother of invention. So I'm, in some ways I look back, I'm like, oh, I'm glad I was so desperate because I never would have done this stuff that these women suggested. But I remember I, I started doing it and it was really not that long afterwards that I walked through the door and my husband's face lit up to see me. He was happy to see me again. And that had been gone. So I thought, whew, this is working. This stuff is working. So, and then I thought, okay, good. Now I'm going to be able to fix my marriage and I'm going to have, you know, I really wanted to have that marriage I envisioned when I stood at the altar and said, I do. So I thought, okay, that's what's going to happen now. But um, the problem was I, I knew what to do, but I couldn't get myself to do it. I, I was, it wasn't that hard. It was just new. And uh, I, I remember we were driving in the car and we had this huge blowout fight, uh, blow up. And I uh, was saying horrible things and he was saying horrible things. And I thought, I was really hoping this wasn't going to happen again. And then it did. So I, I got the idea that maybe if I had um, other people that were doing this with me, that I would be able, it, it would make it stick. So I started a little support group in my living room and I had, we had, there was five of us and we were all tr- trying these various techniques and we were experiencing miracles. I remember one woman said her husband won the sales contest at work and he took her on their most romantic getaway of their lives. And then another one said, well, this isn't going to sound like much, but we've been bickering about him painting the family room for months. And today he got up and did it and he did it with a smile. Like he was happy to do it. So that felt like a miracle to her. And so we knew we were onto something. And um, anyway, someone said, can you write down what we're doing for my cousin in Florida? And I said, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. So that became my first book, which just accidentally made it to the New York Times bestseller list and was published in 19 languages in 30 countries. It started a worldwide movement of women who practice the six intimacy skills uh, in order to make their marriages intimate, passionate and peaceful again. Wow. Well, first of all, congrats on the NYT deal uh, because that's a big deal. And, you know, I have a bestseller under my belt at this point, um, too, but it's not NYT status. And so I've like stepped up my game. And now now when I say to people, you know, when they say, what's your dream with, you know, what you're doing with your writing? I said, well, unless I hit NYT, it doesn't count. Like, <laughs> I, I, because you know you've reached the masses and that your words are being heard and shared and hopefully, you know, people are being inspired. So that, so that's definitely my, my new goal in life. Yeah. Um, you know, I always, I always thought it would be cool. I used to travel a lot through airports and stuff. I always thought it would be cool to have a, a book that was in an airport bookstore. Oh, I always thought yeah. that. That oh, would be like so neat. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to say as you were talking is about marital counseling. And I find that uh, the most effective kind for people that are listening, the most effective kind of marital counseling is actually emotionally focused. It uh, strips down. It's a very different style of counseling. Um 
where the couples really kind of strip down all the layers of the onion and they're, um, and, and the counselor actually processes what's happening, uh, repeats it back to the person and then says, okay, can you now share that with your, your spouse? And then they turn and look at their spouse and they share it. And it's a, it's a really great way, one, to model better communication. Um, two, it kind of gets like really breaks quickly through that, like, he didn't take out the trash. He does that. She does that. You know, it kind of strips yeah. all that down really rapidly and gets to the, Hey, I, you know, when you forget to take out the trash, I, I feel unseen. I feel unheard. I feel invalidated, you know, and, and then it gets even deeper into like the core childhood wound stuff. So for anybody listening, who's considering marital counseling, or maybe is spending tons of money and having no success, I highly recommend finding an EFT, uh, focused counselor, mm-hmm. emotionally focused counselor. But are you, are we going to be able to talk about the six secrets today? Oh, sure. Yay. I, I mean, that is my, I'm on a mission to end world divorce now because I don't want anybody to suffer the way I suffered. It's not necessary if you have the right training, right? If you've got the right skills. So I would just want every woman to uh, be able to get her hands on the skills and then also get the support that you need to implement them because it, like like with me, my, my story, right? I, I knew what to do, but I couldn't get myself to do it until I got uh, in a, a little group. And you know what? 20 years later, I still uh, find like the community is part of my success. I like being around other women who make their marriages a priority. They think that relationships are important and, because they are. Uh, so that inspires me, right? Being around women who are um, accountable and really committed and aren't saying, uh, you know, just leave him. You deserve better, right? That's uh, so. That's a that's a key. So yeah, I'm 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 an open book. I wanna I want everybody to know all the good stuff. Okay, for sure. And I'm so excited about that. Uh, one of the things that you touched on that I really liked, and I did want to circle back on, was that you said, you know, th- one of the primary reasons that you didn't go through with your divorce, even though you were feeling you had to go that direction, was that sense of failure. And yes. I I love that what you're doing not only. Uh, you know, saves the marriages, but it really empowers people to believe that they can have a different experience of life that doesn't end in a sense of failure. So that is really cool. Um, And I think that, you know, on the heels of 2020 and all that was, a lot of people feel that kind of like, um, wow, you know, a lot of the things that I used to have that distracted me from what's wrong in my marriage are gone. And now I'm kind of stripped down here, staring at my spouse going, what the actual fuck? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause I'm seeing yeah. this a lot in the work that I'm doing. It's like, you know, people, uh, are just kind of coming out of the woodwork. It's like, I don't know this person. What the hell, you know? Um, and I think it's because we used to have all these great distractions and, and in 2020 we didn't, um, so, so this is really cool. Your timing, I think is like spectacular. Because I do feel like that this is a common reoccurring theme happening right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a rough, rough year for marriage with people. Um, I, and I think one of the things that made it so difficult, like you said, there was not the same distractions. But I also think there are things that contribute to a happy marriage that were taken away, which like for one thing, um, I need other women to talk to. I notice if I don't 
get, you know, my, there are certain aspects of being a woman that my husband's just not that interested in talking about. And I, <laughs> you know, if I have a bad day, I, it takes like two sisters and three best friends and my husband to set me right again. <laughs> and you put all that pressure on one mere mortal man. It's a little much, right? So that was stripped away. And the other thing that went missing in the pandemic was solitude. So whether it was your commute to work or, you know, just being able to get out and go have a cup of coffee or something by yourself, it it was all stripped away. So and that's a big thing too. just, um, you know, how can I miss you if you won't go away? Right. There's uh, there's something to be said for just being able to uh, be by yourself. That is very fortifying for a happy marriage. I totally concur. One of the things that you kind of mention um, is that you can help people show up in a way where um, they're getting their husband's attention or affection, but not in a way that's kind of like maybe needy or uh, suffocating. Can, can you share what that is? Let's let's do that. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it's the funny thing is like, I just, I remember for me, I have all these embarrassing stories of things I used to do and I just didn't know any better. Right. My parents are divorced. So I was following a failed recipe. So I remember uh, my husband would be watching TV and not paying attention to me, which is making me mad. And then I would like go over with my hands on my hips and say, you know, the average couple has sex two and a half times per week and we haven't done it in like three weeks. So I think we should do it. And, and I thought he was going to jump off the couch and like, you know, sweep me away into the bedroom, give me a passionate <laughs> kiss or something. Cause what man doesn't want to have sex. Right. So, but, uh, that, didn't, that never happened. So, um, in fact, yeah, I, I was, that for some reason did not make me the irresistible magnet that I wanted to be. Uh, so I realized, yeah, that was, that was not effective, but I didn't know what was going to be effective until I, uh, one of the things I discovered was that there's this, uh, incredibly powerful aphrodisiac for men. And uh, it's free and it works fast and and we've all heard of it and we all think we know what it means. But I'll tell you what, I did not know what it means. And this has been true of for tens of thousands of my students. Also, they're like, wow, that's what it means. The aphrodisiac is respect. It's respect. So. And and I, if you would ask me, I would say, oh, I'm very respectful. You know, I, I respect everything except the way he drives, the way he dresses. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a slob. So, right, I didn't, I didn't really know. And also, I thought that if my husband was, like, talking about work uh, and, some, you know, whatever problems he was having, whatever challenges, it was my job to jump in there and say, well, have you thought about saying this? Or what did you, you know, did you tell so-and-so that you blah, blah, blah? And and in you know wife language i'm just being helpful in husband language i'm being a controlling shrew cuz i'm not I'm not showing i'm not expecting the best right i mean i married my husband cuz i thought he was like the smartest guy i'd ever met and then after we got married i was like no he's maybe not you know so um that contempt came in and he picked up on it and it feels like uh not being loved to them so so one of the magical cheat phrases I have learned that is so incredible for um, attracting my husband to me. I mean, there's a couple steps to it, but this this is certainly one of the key ingredients. Is uh, and okay, wait, wait. I mean, are you listening, ladies? Like, turn off the volume. <laughs> yeah, like write this down. Write this down. And you're gonna choke when I when you hear me say it. But it, but and in the first time I said it, it just felt like okay, I've got sawdust in my mouth here. But now. 
I love it. So, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of when I used it not too long ago. And I've been practicing intimacy skills for 20 years. I'd like to say I'm perfect. That would not be true. So we're at dinner at a really swanky restaurant and it's like Saturday night. So the place is just buzzing. The waiters are, you know, running up and down. The music's on. People are laughing at the bar. And my husband and I are just having a nice time at dinner. And then he's talking about work. And I said, um, I said something critical about one of his clients. And he rightly took that as me trying to tell him how to run his business. Mm. And so he got this look on his face, like this, like, and I swear, like the music stopped. Everyone stopped laughing. The waiters stopped. Like the good time was over. And I was like, I wasn't ready to be accountable in that moment. So I just said, I go, oh, oh, was that disrespectful? And he was like, yeah, because he's used to being respected now. And uh, I was like, oh, well, I apologize for being disrespectful when I criticized your client just now. And he's like, thank you. And then uh, the music came back and the laughter came back and the waiters are buzzing around again. And my good time is back. Like no intimacy was lost. The, the connection, the fun, like that could have been the start of a really miserable evening, right? Where we never mm-hmm. got it back, where we were just like bickering. We didn't know why. Uh, so having that cheat phrase, that was, I'll say it again. It's I apologize for being disrespectful when I, and then you put in the specific thing and that is an incredible aphrodisiac. It's makes you irresistible magnet. And I think um, it's interesting because I think we had some, I certainly had some misconceptions about respect. Like I thought it was something you had to give to like your parents or your boss, you know, a teacher, someone in authority. Right. But respect just means that you trust, you expect the best outcome. Uh, and you treat them accordingly instead of being like fearful, naggy, you know, shrewy, you know, be careful and don't forget, like, you know, that kind of thing. I, I like that. Um, and I think you can validate in so many ways and step up and accept, um, you know, your part in things. Uh, it, but I like how you say it just very plain and very clear. It does feel a little like sawdust. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, to, you get used to it, I think. Um but, you know, this is interesting. So I recently uh, was attending this online program called Back to the Body, and it had to do with, uh, you know, women kind of embracing all of their curves and, you know, not being shy, saying how, you know, one of the things that men really love is when their women show up confident um, mm-hmm. it, it, uh, with their own selves you know, not, not confident in like, here's what you need to do. And here's what you need to change, but confident with their bodies. And uh, I thought, and this woman that teaches this program, you know, she's, uh, fuller figured. She's very like, she's to the far end of, uh, prude, (laughs) the other one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, and I found that so interesting and I have tried to be more mindful of that as well. Like if I'm going to say, Oh God, I feel like my belly is too fat today to wear this bathing suit. I'm going to tell my friend that not my husband that, <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to try to just, um, not draw attention to that more self-conscious or insecure part of me. Um, and just try to, you know, be present because it's like, he'll often say, you know, if you saw you like I see you, you know, mm. um, and I think 
that's probably true in general. Did that play into anything that you guys had going when you were talking kind of about how, you know, you said, oh, we should have sex more often or this or that? Did (laughs) did there was there any kind of self-confidence confidence work that you did to get to a better space where you kind of just exuded that more organic? I am attractive and sexual as a being. You know, it's interesting because the what I what I keyed in on what you just shared. I love the part where you're saying, uh, like, if he when he said, "If you could see you the way I see you," right? He's he he loves your body and he's very complimentary of it. And um, so so the part so the part where I think the confidence comes into play is is an, is actually one of the six intimacy skills which I call receiving. So you think about our our bodies as a metaphor, we are built to receive. You, you think about maybe just the yin and yang of a relationship, right? We we physically are built to receive, and yet we are not very good receivers when it comes to things like compliments. It could be gifts. It could be help. It could be apologies, special treatment. So, I, I mean, I have the experience of my husband saying, uh, um, oh, my gosh, you know, first thing in the morning, oh, my gosh, you're so beautiful. And I'm like, no, I have bed hair. Like, shut up. Don't look at me. Right. Just very, very rejecting. And so um, for me, there was uh, some work to do about just um, accepting his point of view, even if it felt like a dissonance with my own um, perspective on myself, which I think you just described beautifully. Right. That they you know, if someone's saying like, oh, you, your hair looks beautiful. Why am I letting him know that I haven't washed it? for several days or something, right? Why am I, why am I contradicting um, somebody or, you know, I, I, and this, it comes into play in so many areas. Uh, you know, I think about like at the end of a party and people say, Hey, you want me to help you clean up? And I go, no, no, you know, I've got it. Right. And then I'm there with all the dishes and I'm kind of miserable. Well, I could have been having a splash <laughs> fest with my friend, my friends would, they're happy to help. They're not offering because they're martyrs, right? They're, they're willing to do it. So, um, so, or even just like an apology, right? Like somebody's late meeting you to lunch and they go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late. And you go, what do we say? Do we say thank you? No. We say, that's okay. Right? Is it okay? I don't know. It's kind of nice to have somebody respect my time that kept me waiting, right? So there's a confidence in that uh, in being willing to just receive graciously. And it can feel awkward if someone gives you a compliment and you just say thank you and nothing else and smile and sort of let it land. One of my uh, receiving uh, role models was the host of the uh, show, So You Think You Can Dance, Kat Dealey. And she, uh, I remember one time she came on a stage and of course she's gorgeous, right? And so the judges say, oh, Kat, you look gorgeous. And she just beams and she kind of smiles and sort of, um, you know, she kind of, her shoulders go up just a little bit. And she goes, Thank you. And then uh, they say to her, and Kat, congratulations on your Emmy nomination. Now, the judges had also been nominated for Emmys, right? So she could have easily said, oh, thanks. And you, too. You, too. She didn't. Yeah. She, didn't. Yeah. she just said, oh, thank you. And she took it in, and you could just see her beaming and really um, enjoying the words that were meant to um, make her feel good, right? And I think it's a big part of why she's so successful so beautiful and we love looking at her on tv that's awesome and super true and i think that we all can can take this in and say if you receive the compliment sit with it sit with it a little bit um sit with it as much as you sit with something that offends you (laughs) yeah 
Yes, that's a good like, idea. Give it as much space as that because we do drop those compliments. Okay, so this is another big thing. I'm trying to cram all this stuff into the time that we have. Um, okay, so I recently have kind of been, you know, just reading a lot of books on these various different um topics of needing versus wanting and mm-hmm. even more over um, coupling and stuff like that. And I am of the belief that you can be an independent person and know how to live life on your own, survive on your own, feed yourself, you know, shelter yourself and all of that. But you can still uh, have wants from other relationships and even needs from other relationships. Like I think you could be an independent, strong, you know, boss woman, female, and still have like a super feminine desire to be held, comforted, supported, to have someone do something for you. You know what I mean? Like maybe something that you don't really like to do yourself or something like that. What do you think about the needing versus wanting? component. Um, because I often hear relationships in my counseling session where the husband will say, I feel like she just says, you know, and this is like a new generational thing. I think as women have, you know, had more time in the workforce and different things like she just doesn't need me, you know, well, she probably isn't showing that maybe in the way that you, you know, maybe not in the way that you uh, think she should be needing you, but perhaps there are a lot of ways that she does need you and you're missing those cues. I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah. I, well, I absolutely, I, I think of Connie Schultz. She's a columnist who wrote that before she would let her husband make her a cup of coffee, she wanted assurance that it wouldn't interfere with her right to have a bank account or own property. Right. So, <laughs> we, I, which I love. It's like, yeah, we're strong women. We're accomplished. We're well educated. You know, we're feminists. And, and we don't need anybody else, like you say, but but it's not true. I remember uh, feeling like being an independent woman. That was kind of how I was raised. I think a lot of us were raised that way. You don't want to have to depend on a man. And it's just no longer my goal. You know, today I would rather just be inter- interdependent with my husband because it really does make my life richer. And and yeah, I really appreciate that I have a big, strong man who kills the spiders carries the heavy things and also helps me solve my problems. But I think that um, it kind of is, it's a little bit on us as women. Like if Connie Schultz wasn't going to let her husband make that cup of coffee for her, right? Because she, it's really almost out of fear in a way, right? Like it's going to, it's going to take away from my strength. Like it's going to make me weaker somehow. I'm going to get soft if I let somebody love me that way. And uh, and I certainly had that in my early marriage. And I think my husband would have said that um, he probably felt like I didn't need him either. Uh, and so that's been a process of um, and this is one of the, the intimacy skills as well is is uh, just becoming more vulnerable. And what I mean by that is like, I'll, let's say I'm having a challenge with work and I'll I'll go to my husband. And I'll say, you know, I'd love to borrow your brain and nobody has my back more than my husband does, right? Nobody wants the world for me more than him. Uh, and he's a really smart guy. So when I, when I show up like that with like, gosh, I could, you know, I just could use another perspective. Um, he is just more than happy to offer solutions. And I think where we used to run into trouble was he would offer a solution. I'd be like, no, 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 it's not going to work. Like I, I just couldn't see it. Right. 
And, and then it was like, okay, conversation over. And I don't want to do that. And then it almost felt like disrespectful, right? He's, he's got an idea and I'm dismissing it. And so one of the things that I, um, had to also learn that I wasn't very good at was about, uh, expressing my desires, expressing my desires in a way that inspires. So this conversation would be going along and I'd be like, yeah, you know, that suggestion, it doesn't quite fit. Cause I still, well, I still want to go to that, uh, Zumba class with my sister or whatever, right? Like he's, so he just didn't have all the information that he needed. I needed to keep going. It wasn't just like, oh, you tried. Okay. Forget it. Never mind. I needed to keep going with what my desires were. Oh, but I also want to include these coaches and this group or whatever information he needed to continue to contribute to the conversation instead of just cutting him off at some point because he didn't get it, right? So I think I was a little too um, skittish about that. I, and I just didn't know. I also, gosh, I was terrible at expressing desires. In fact, Another kind of a really embarrassing story is when we uh, were first dating, actually, he took me on a trip to Hawaii and um, we got up on the first day and I thought, oh, good, we're going to go to the beach. Can't wait to go to the beach. But instead of saying that, I said, what do you want to do today? And he said, well, let's go see a little hike in the mountain. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, so he said, like, a volcano. I'm like, oh, gosh, a volcano. Mm. Like, okay, uh, <laughs> all right, I'll just suck it up. We'll go see a volcano. Fine. I didn't want to have a conflict, right? So, but we're driving in the car, and you don't see a volcano for a long time. You see these molten rocks on the side of the road, and they're really boring. And I started to get upset, and he could tell, he's like, is something wrong? And that's when I said, did you think this would be fun? Because I don't think it's fun at all. I think it's really stupid, and you didn't even ask me. What I want to do. I want to go to the beach. So he saw a volcano, all right, right? But um, poor guy. All he knew is he took his girlfriend to Hawaii. Uh, and I just feel so sad for that earlier version of me because she had no idea how to say what she desired. And if you can't say what you desire, you're never going to get it. And you know what he did after that? He took me to the beach, even after I behaved so badly, because it turns out he just wants to make me happy. And that's what I see with men uh, all across the board. I've asked thousands of men, how happy, how important is it to you that your wife is happy? And they all said the same thing. They said, it's happy the most wife, thing. happy life. It's not just an adage. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and women are, I mean, this is not in a negative you know, way at all, but women are a lot more emotional in that way. We do need more words of affirmation. Well, not maybe not more, but we need those and we need, um, you know, when we're going through hormonal moments, we, we kind of need to be held and, and that sort of thing. Like I could be Absolutely. calmed down with a hug in like 3.5 seconds. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like my whole yes. uh, central nervous system can come to a grounding halt. With that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And but sometimes or I, like I can be left to spiral up and become a freaking volcano. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You, yeah, it's up to you. But sometimes I feel like, you know, you better use both arms or something, right? Like if I'm uh, if I'm on the verge of a freak out or a meltdown, I think in some ways I can be, you know, I, mean, I, I, I used to be more than I think recently. But 
I can be so like a porcupine wife. Like for him to hug me is kind of an act of courage when I was in that <laughs> rage. Right. right? <laughs> I, uh, I sent my, I sent my husband a text the other day and I said, um, because I was just kind of thinking about me as a person. I was just doing, I did a little meditation, a little journaling, whatever. I said, I'm a pain in the ass that always has to get my way. If I have a way in mind, because I don't always, yeah. I'm wishy-washy mm-hmm. and overthink shit to the end. If it involves my emotions or other people's emotions, I'm just a skosh mm-hmm. hypochondriac who sometimes cares what other people thinks and demands constant words of affirmation and is very self-conscious about my body. I'm particular and anal retentive and yet a total half-asser who is a graceful klutz. <laughs> Ah. I'm I'm literally like ping pong from all of these different, you know, um, and also a little bit woo woo and wackadoodle. And he messaged me back. He said, nailed it. Ah. (laughs) Love it. You know, that's good that like, if you, I think if you recognize these things in yourself, like, um, it helps you show up, uh, in a way that's honorable and, uh, open and receptive and kind of all those things. That's right. That's so true. And, and dignified, right? It's a little yeah. more dignified. So maybe yeah, not like I can recognize problem. myself in myself, you know, be like, ooh, that's yeah. a new thing. Yeah. You know what, Michaela, you're uh, accountable. That's what it is. And accountability is a very attractive quality to everyone. Like that's true in certainly in marriage. But I mean, I'm sure your husband loves that about you. But also uh, even in friendships or, you know, with your parents or your kids or whoever. Okay. So one more thing on my list here, and this is another one of those interesting things, um, I, that I had kind of stumbled upon online. I don't even know how, um, I, you know, I live in the self-help world, so I'm always researching something, go down some rabbit hole, but it was, it was this concept that if you want to ensure that you have your man for life, right? It said, here is the secret to men. It said that they have a primal desire to be your hero. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I thought this was very interesting. And I thought about it a little bit. And I thought, you know, if we were to strip it back to caveman status, and granted, we've evolved substantially since then. But I'm talking limbic system, you know, yeah. Yeah. reptilian brain stuff. That really is true. Like they had to protect their family from saber tooth tigers. They had to provide food for their family. They really had to be the hero uh, yeah. to the, to the, to their females. So what do you think about the hero thing? I, I absolutely agree. I think, um, and it's interesting because I think that, so kind of back to the expressing your desires in a way that inspires, right? So I used to, um, and, and this is all about how to trigger your husband's hero gene I used to, uh, I remember I used to say, John, this kitchen is a disaster. And I thought he was going to jump up off the couch and start cleaning the kitchen. And I, that never happened. So, no. and I think all he could hear was probably like, John, you know, blah, 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 or whatever. I don't think he could <laughs> like even hear. Like the peanuts, the peanuts. Right. Exactly. So and the kitchen never got clean. And, um, and I thought I was telling him, what I wanted, but I wasn't, I was complaining and it was just about what I didn't want. So he did not know how to be my hero. And then finally, one day I I realized, you know, I came up with the, the cheat phrase that I use now for expressing my desires in a way that inspires him, which is I would love, and then it's the final outcome. So I said, I would love a clean kitchen. He goes, 
okay, because I'll, I'll clean it. And he did. And he did it with a smile, like he's happy to do it. And that was over 20 years ago. He's been doing it ever since. I never do the dishes. My husband does them. Why? Because he wants to be my hero. He knows it makes me happy. And they all have this hero gene. And if you know how to, and, and it's funny because a lot of my students come when they're where I was in my marriage, thinking that it's over, it's hopeless. He doesn't care about their happiness. And then we, you know, we show them a few things and they're amazed. Like it's still there. Like I had one student recently who was, uh, he had told her he wanted a divorce. It was over. They were still under the same roof, but they were, there was no speaking. There was no touching. It was like awkward roommates and it had been like this for a while. And she, um, got into one of my groups and she didn't really think it was going to work, but she was just kind of practicing the intimacy skills in the group. And, uh, and then one day she decided she was going to try this expressing her desires thing. So she, uh, he was sitting watching TV and she said, I would love a leg massage. And she just kind of left it that she, she had no expectations because of the culture at their house being so tense. And he turned to her and said, did you want it right now? And she said, oh, holy cow. Holy cow. Oh my God. He's going to miss Yes. <laughs> and so she said, she said, yes. And he did. So not only like they hadn't even been talking, it was touching and he was off her legs and it was wow. the of them reconciling. And she's actually, she's now one of my coaches because uh, it was so effective for her marriage. So it's, it, they, it's still there, but a lot of times if there's been uh, a lot of disrespect or, like in my case where I was, I didn't seem pleasable. Uh, and I get, I know I made up that word, but like, if they don't think they can please you, if they're not right, feeling like they right, can be successful right. with being your hero, uh, then that's going to, that's going to be a dampener right on them trying. Oh, totally. So this is funny. Cause in the past week, my husband started making the bed. I was like, what? <laughs> Um, because, you know, I have this thing where it's like, I hate, I, I can't really start my day without making the bed. And I certainly can't go to bed until the bed's made, which sounds really weird. But like, if for some reason yeah. it doesn't get made, I will make it right before I get in it because it's I like a whole it. thing. Like it feels, it just doesn't feel like, yeah, I mean, it needs to, it's gotta be fresh. Um, so anyway, he, he was getting out of bed after, after me and, you know, he was picking up, if I was doing the first, like kind of how you described, like, oh God, I hate this. I have it. You know, that grumpy stuff. And then it was yeah. like, oh, you know, it'd be really nice if this bed was, um, was so fresh when I got in it, even if you were the last one out. Oh, and here he's right. making the bed. I'm coming home. And I'm saying, you know, it's not done any way like I would do it at all. Like I, I'm like right. hotel status right. on the tucking and the folding. And the yeah. Thing. Yeah. But it's there and it's enough and it's amazing. And it's still fresh enough. You know what I mean? It's like perfect. Yes. Yeah. And that's a great example of like, um, what you focus on increases. So first of all, you did a fantastic job expressing your desires there. Uh, of course, you're professional, so you know these things. But um, the, you know, the other piece that strikes me about that is like you are also doing a really good job of focusing on what you want instead of what you don't want. Like you're saying, you know, it's not it's not hotel status bed making here, but you're what you're focused on is like, wow, he knew this would make me happy, so he made the bed. It's it's for you know, it's freshened up, and uh, what you focus on increases, right? So. I mean, who knows? The bed making might even improve over time with that kind of focus. Because <laughs> you are, I, I, you know, I see we see this so much. Like, you know, your husband can be doing like 99 things right, and then the one thing wrong 
can be mm-hmm. what you focus on and then you're having a lousy experience. Not necessary, right? Then, and it's funny because you very, it can feel really challenging to get yourself to look at the things that are going right. It's sort of like if you hit your thumb with a hammer, you don't go, well, those other nine fingers feel great, right? So, right. Yeah, <laughs> that but, is so true. I love that analogy. Yeah, but it's actually, it's so magical um, to, to do, like, you know, one of the, one of the homework assignments I'll give people, uh, in fact, I remember Isabella, she's a great example, one of my students from years ago, actually, the homework assignment for the week was to give your husband three gratitudes a day, just three things. And she's like, first of all, I, this is, I don't want to do this. This is baloney because I do everything. No, and no one's thanking me. And I don't even know what I'm going to find to thank him for because I don't think he does anything. But she she agreed that she was going to, you know, she was going to try it. So she went home. She thanked him for uh, watching the baby while she exercised. And then she thanked him for uh, working hard to support the family. And she thanked him for taking out the trash. So she, that was day one. And then she did it, uh, you know, something similar on day two. And by the time they were sitting down to dinner that night, he said, you've really taught me that we need to appreciate each other more. So I wanted to thank you for making dinner. Wow. She nearly fell out of her chair, right? But she created a culture of gratitude in their home, which is a form of focusing on what you want, since what you focus on increases. Yeah, where our mind goes, energy flows, right? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty powerful. Um, gosh, as you were talking, I was thinking about, uh, oh, what was I thinking? I just lost it, Dagger Nevin. I hate when that happens. Um, but the, the, the concept of... Um, of kind of like appreciation. I, I, I grew up in a home where, um, you know, my grandmother's British, uh, hundred percent. And my mom grew up in that very structured, rigid environment of like cleanliness and all of that. And so for me, um, this has been just kind of like a huge part of my like life experience to life journey, especially having, you know, a young child and this and that's to say like, Okay, what's really important? I mean, if if I'm gonna if I'm gonna open my mouth today, like what do I want coming out of it? Do I want it to be nagging all day about stupid stuff like shoes left mm-hmm. in the middle of the floor, or do I want it to be more focused on like that gratitude, love, appreciation, and um and what's that fine line between uh just just doing the work, just picking up the shoes, um and not being resentful and and getting to the point where you're still able to kind of communicate what, what you do need or want. Yes. Well, I mean, I think, I think one of the things that had gone missing in my early relationship where I was really unhappy was, was certainly this gratitude piece. But, and I think the reason is I thought if I, like, let's say he did clean the kitchen, right? I thought if I thanked him for it, and he had not wiped off the counters, then he would think like he did a good job when really I knew that he didn't. So I was going to withhold that. Thank you because I wanted him to do the job right or something, right? Like he was a vet, right? He'd be like, well, I'm not going to thank him because it's not perfect. Or, And then I also thought, I also thought that he would think like, oh, okay, well, she's thanking for me for that. So that means I don't have to do it anymore. Like it's like, it's a, uh, it's optional where, you know, and he would stop doing it. So, but that, that's wrong. That is not true. It's just the opposite. Like it, the more, and that's why I, I feel like gratitude is probably the most, 
powerful intimacy skill of all. It does double duty because it not only improves the experience you're having because you're focused, you're counting your blessings, right? Instead of counting the curses, but also the person responds to you so much better. Everyone loves to feel appreciated and they love to do things for people who are appreciative. So when I started thanking my husband more, like he just wanted to do so much more for me. Uh, and that, that continues to be my experience. So even though he's been doing the dishes for 20 years, I still every day go, oh, my gosh, this kitchen is so clean. I just love it. It makes me so happy. Thank you so much. Uh, and we both kind of delight in this uh, virtuous cycle that we have where he's being my hero. I don't have to do the dishes. You know, they, I get to be the princess and he gets to feel appreciated. Wow, that is spectacular. And I think this is true for life in general, like gratitude, you know, appreciation, all relationships, not even just marital. You know, if your child does something right, acknowledge it. You know, if if, yeah. if they did something that that you, you know, and try to notice it, too. I think we're I think we are just programmed to look at what's wrong um, yeah. rather than to look at what's right. Could be, but it's, and maybe that was our early training too, right? We all had early training in our families. Uh, that's our first relationship training, if you will, right? Our, those interactions. And there's, I mean, there was no relationships 101 at my school. I don't know. Was there one at yours? No, I, I right. really feel like if I could do a school, it would be a whole different school. It would be so different. Like, yes, I mean, truly, yes. it would involve like a lot of uh, basic survival skills, um, emotional survival skills. It would be right. a relationship training. It would be gratitude and meditation. Like, I, I don't know. Great. We might fit some math in there at some point, like, but barely. <laughs> right. I know. I don't know if we'd make it to calculus. I just don't know. But yeah. Exactly. So I, I just feel like uh, a lot of us have really focused on getting an education so we could have good careers, but we didn't get any training on relationships. And I think it's you know ironic that like to get a driver's license, you have to take a you got to stay the rules of the road. You got to take a written test and then a road test and then you got to pay some money and then you get a license. Right. But in relationships, you just go, oh, you're in love. That's great. You know, congratulations. <laughs> I remember, I remember feeling this when my son was born. I was like, wow, there should have been way more stuff I had to sign. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? I, it, it took more to get a freaking mortgage than it did to get a kid. And they yeah. last about, you know, like as yeah. far as the amount of time and investment, it's, you know, what is like way longer than a house. Right. And then, so. and then. It's interesting, like I'll, I'll meet a lot of moms who will pay, you know, for the soccer camp for their kids, like, oh, no, I'm investing in his future or whatever. And then but like the thought of investing in their own training on relationships, they're like, well, I don't know if that's necessary. Right. They, right. They're, they are not uh, we aren't trained to invest in our ourselves and our personal development. Uh, that seems like kind of a luxury item. But then you think about a marriage and a whole family kind of hanging in the balance. I can't really think of anything I think is more important to to get trained on. No, you're absolutely right. And I've seen this shift and that's really cool. It's so interesting now because, you know, not to use this as a derogatory term, but my millennials that I have in sessions, they're so different. They're like, um, yes, I was talking with my friend the other day and I was like, my therapist says, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, even six, seven yeah. years ago, it was like, no, we don't talk about it. You know, we're in counseling. This is very secret. We don't share this with anybody. This, there's something wrong with us. And that's why we're here where now it's mm. shifting, you know, and it's like, 
no, people are like more open with it. At least the younger um, clients that I have, they're, they're more just like, Hey, no, I'm working on me as part of it. I, you know, I need someone to talk to that ain't my mom, dad, best friend or whatever. Yes. So it, it's kind of neat to see the shift and see how much they're um, just more transparent. I think, you know, yeah. the flip side of that is I see a lot more loose looseness with labels and I hate that people walk oh, in and gosh, say, yeah. Oh, I'm diagnosed borderline. And I'm like, what, what well, what's that doing for you? Right. That's right. That's right. I'm helping you oh. out. Yeah. So. Or my husband's a narcissist or yeah. right. oh, gosh, yeah. gosh. like I took an yes. online quiz and I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I took a six question online quiz. And right. you know, what's funny is sometimes when they're really stuck and I'll pull out the DSM, um, which is for yeah. those listening, that may not know the tool that, you know, the psychotherapists use to, to actually do these insurance assessments. This is really all it's for is so that you can code your billing properly. But, um, I, I'll, uh, you know, I'll show them how you actually come to it. And they're like, Oh, <laughs> so it's not this five, five question quiz I took online. This is like a whole thing. It's and like, then, you yes, know, yes, the, he does do that. Right. Right. Yeah. And the bigger part of it is like, okay, so this is a great launching foundation for which, um, to maybe identify best tools and stuff, but really this doesn't define you. You know, generalized okay. anxiety disorder is not a definition of who you are. It is a symptom of something you're going through. So let's figure out what you need to, you know, heal the cause. Like, we go from there. Yes. Yeah, much, much better. I, I'm so with you. I think some of the, the labels are a way of focusing on what you don't want. Yes, of, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Laura, it was awesome to have you on the podcast today. I just really appreciate everything that we chatted about. And I'm looking forward to, um, you know, having you back on sometime because I'm sure there's just so much more that I, we barely scraped the surface on. Yeah, this has been really fun, Michaela. Thanks for having me on. And we will see you soon. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.